<laughs> oh dear. Can we get this nonsense on the road, please? Yeah, of course. That's the true self showing there. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast and Ringer FC. I'm Lisa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? Doing well, thanks. How are you? Very good indeed, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, happy as ever. Just good vibes. Yeah. Yep, yeah. good energies. Thinking okay. positive thoughts. Oh, wow. <laughs> Things you love to see. Do we, though? Who's the thinking? Positive thoughts. Self-affirmation. Uh, do we have an admin to do? New episode of Writer's House went up on Wednesday. Very good it is, too. Carl Anker and myself talking to Wrighty talked about Pogba and super subs, Son Hyung Min, flowers for Jermaine Defoe. There's yep, a little yep. guest spot from Trent Alexander Arnold as well, which was timed quite nicely because he captained Liverpool on Wednesday. Yeah, go check it out on the Ring of C feed. Available on all platforms. So if the podcast app that you listen to us on allows you to rate and review, please give us a rating and a review. Because it really helps grow the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can't wait for Moose's troll cast. The troll cast, the next logical expansion of Moose's podcasting career. <laughs> troll neck, the, the troll, troll neck season. podcast, troll it network. Oh, before I forget, yeah, ringer.com forward slash soccer for your piece. Yeah, and I'm not sure if it'll go up this week, mm. but uh, it will go up soon. Yeah, just go check the ringer.com forward slash soccer anyway. Get the streets ready for it. It's coming. It's going to be really Get good. Get the streets ready. Pod Bible Awards. If you want to go to the pod, is it the podbible.com? Podbible.com. Podbible.com. You can go and vote for us in. We're up for best sports and leisure podcast, which is obviously a catfish award if we've been nominated. Can you imagine but, leisure? <laughs> I love how we constitute leisure. nothing leisurely about this podcast, trust me. <laughs> it's very stressful. The whole thing is stressful. It's, it's <laughs> honest, I wish I'd never done it. You're trapped in here now, though. I wish I'd never, yeah, trapped. Trapped in a loveless... Loveless podcast. <laughs> <laughs> With a sport I hate and a team who hates me. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. God. The only good thing about doing the Thursday podcast is that we record... Well, actually, at the moment, there's not, it's quite a bad thing because Arsenal are more fun in the Europa League. The only games that Arsenal win at the moment. So I might have to start shifting this to Friday so I can give a little bit... <laughs> A little bit of love. Yeah, so it's Manchester United in there now as well. Well, this is uh, something we will talk, touch on in a little bit. But before we do that, yep. Stadios. Yep, yep. The categories have been decided. So for those who don't know, last year, Moose and I decided to hand out some end of year awards, which we called the Stadios. I think there was only five last year. There were. Um, this year, it's been expanded to 10 awards. And we will be announcing the nominees soon. And it'll be, a, it'll be a big piece on The Ringer and we'll do a whole episode about it, which will probably go up around Christmas time. Uh, we'll do a pre-record of that and we'll try and actually have a couple of days off. So the categories for this year's 2020 Stadios. Drum roll, drum roll, drum roll. <laughs> goal of the year. Angry goal of the year. Player of the Year, Team of the Year, Coach of the Year, the Prop Joe Award, (laughs) 
<laughs> for the slickest move upwards. Yeah, slickest career year. move. Yep, yep. Slickest career move. Slickest career progression of the year. Yes, yes. Basically, someone who you can imagine just being like, I've got a proposition for you. Why don't you give me the keys? That's you. Uh, that's <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> actually, yeah, the Prop Joe Award should be us joining the rigger. It should be actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're Catfish of the Year. <laughs> the Big Mood Award, aka the Energy Award, aka the Inject It Award. Exactly. That one's going to be fun. Best dressed coach. Yes. Which, to clarify, doesn't necessarily mean best dressed human. Right. It's all, it's all in context of being a football manager. Yes, yes. So, you know, touchline drip isn't instantly transferable to out here drip. Yeah, exactly. In our made up rules of a thing that doesn't need to have rules. Then you've got a, an actual player sartorial award, which Musa has aptly titled the Ballon Drip. The Ballon Drip, no doubt. D, a small d apostrophe, RIP. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Recipients of the Ballon Drip going to be all over social media, hashtagging it. That, that exactly. is a coveted, much coveted award, isn't it? But not as coveted as the big one. No, this so is the greatest, yeah. In the yeah. Oscars, you know, they have, what, best picture? That's right. Best actor and actress? Yep, yep. Lifetime achievement? Indeed. You know, in music awards, you tend to have album of the year? Yep. Artist of the year? All of this kind of stuff. The big one in the studios is Catfish of the Year. The Catfish of the Year. <laughs> The winners of the inaugural Catfish of the Year Award 2019 at the 2019 Stadios were Everton Men's. I think it, they were a shoo-in for it, really. They were, they were really were. They, they were, were an absolute yeah. shoo-in for it. The other nominees in that, I think, were Arsenal Men mm. and the French Women's National Side. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Glorious finalists all. Glorious uh, finalists all. So, yeah, 10 awards that we will be dishing out. We'll hopefully get some guests to read out the nominees and, and announce the awards as well. These are the most prestigious awards in the calendar. Are they? <laughs> are they? No. Which calendar? No. Your calendar. Even your my, Google calendar. My own it's family. Most, yeah. My family didn't know about them. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be honest, we didn't know about them until a few days ago. Well, That's, no, we did because we did them last year. Did we do them drunk last year or did we do... No, we did the, episode, we did the sequel it? drunk last year. Yeah. Yeah, they require infinite focus, the Stadios. Yeah, they do. It's very, very serious, serious awards. Very serious, yeah. So yeah, there's the Stadio Awards coming up soon. Very soon. Oh dear. All right, let's get on to some football. We're going to talk Champions League and we're going to start with the sad news of Paolo Rossi. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. 
This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right, man, before we get into the Champions League stuff, we lost another legend of the game. Yeah. Paolo Rossi passed away at the age of 64. We, we obviously, we discussed Paolo Rossi actually on, was it Wrighty's house? Yeah. Um, just a couple of weeks ago. And it does feel like end of an era, doesn't it? Because, you know, mm. Maradona going at what, 60? Yeah. Paolo Rossi at 64. You know, these are young. Yeah. No age. You know, considering these are athletes. Yeah. Cause yeah, no age at all. Um, and just that, that era of football and the style that was played in that era, there, is, there was a particular aesthetic, you know, to be um, an attacking strength at that time when mm. def- you know, defence was revered then in a way it's not revered now. And I'm not trying to say that it's been some kind of like old crusty. It's like defence was strategically sacrificed at a certain point in football because coaches made the calculation that it was worth leaving things a bit more open at the back mm. in order to get the benefits up front. Mm. That makes sense. So I suppose football went from going, football went from pension fund to hedge fund. Mm. It went from like patient accumulation of goals to like gambling the house. And, you know, that era, the pension fund era, we can call it a football where defense was revered. You had to be a truly elite forward to score the kind of goals that he did at the time. Yeah, he was truly elite. And, you know, that, that, the hat trick he got against Brazil, against the great H2 side, he heart, you know, he broke the end Brazil hearts. I think six goals in that tournament. And we, we said it, we were joking about it, like this man has not paid for drinks since 1982. Hmm. Um, anywhere in Italy, probably anywhere in the world for that matter. And yeah, just um, a magnificent figure, a huge part of Italy's sporting folklore and, you know, Italy's legend, national legend, global legend. The World Cup gets a lot of stick, a lot of good reasons, right? But we said this, like, you know, that tournament gets stick because it's only as good as the myth that its players provide and produce and he mm. produced myth he's Italy's joint all-time World Cup goal scorer along amazing. with Roberto Baggio and Christian Vieri amazing he has been known since his retirement and I think he will always remain one of the all-time great forwards you know two Serie A's with Juve Coppa Italia Cup Winners Cup Super Cup European Cup in 85 World Cup in 1982 you know he got the Ballon d'Or that year in 82 as well and obviously that was come that came at the end of his his uh, reduced ban for the the Tottenero scandal, which he was implicated in, but always denied when he was at Perugia. But even so, to continue in that Juve side that was so good in the early 80s and in that Italy side that won the World Cup, obviously. I mean, a pure legend. And, and the weird thing was, even though he played over a span of nine years for Italy, he only actually played 48 times for them. I mean, I know he missed the, the Euros in 1980 because of that ban. But still, like, surprised he didn't have more caps because of his legend. Do you know no, what I mean? Of course, of course. Yeah, man. Just, um, it's just really sad. And 64, you know, I mean, I, at the time of recording, the cause of death hasn't been released, so let's not speculate. But thoughts are with his family and loved ones and friends. And yeah, anyone who he was a hero to as well, because... It sucks when we lose our heroes. Yeah. Let's move on to one of his former sides and some Champions League stuff. Juventus. Yep, yep. 
inflicting Barcelona's first home defeat in the Champions League for 39 games, I do believe. They were unbeaten in 38 at home in the Champions League. It didn't feel that significant. It didn't feel that significant, but it also kind of, it felt significant to me in the fact that it had happened again so soon. It actually tweeted that, but you know, Barcelona shouldn't be having the amount of these moments in a single calendar year. Yeah. I don't think. Another defeat for Ronald Koeman. Shouts to Barca19 Stats who, who posted this. Ronald Koeman, five losses in his first 16 games as Barcelona manager. Ernesto Valverde, five losses in his first 66 games as Barcelona manager. Now, obviously, the squad that Valverde had for those opening bunch of games is probably more, much more functional than this. Yeah. But still, I think you're right with, with this. It kind of, this game equally feels as important as unimportant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Unimportant because ultimately the only thing at stake was who topped the group. Mm. but still you know what it was here's the thing I think you're right it was significant but expected yeah I think with Barca I've almost like numbed myself yeah I mean in isolation it is what it is it's just basically there was a heavily rotated squad the players who played instead a lot of them just aren't up to scratch in comparison to Barca squads of old Messi just kind of looks exhausted just mentally I think there are plus points don't get me wrong you know Sergio Des is a massive plus point I think Frankie Dion didn't have the greatest game but still is a plus. Let's switch to Juve because obviously Cristiano Ronaldo had never scored at Camp Nou in the Champions League. He's now got two penalties. The most interesting thing for me, well, the two things actually. The, the first interesting thing was a little bit of a glimpse of Pirlo managerial shithousery waving an imaginary yellow card for Longley when he got Yeah, that was wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Managers should be bigger than that, waving the imaginary yellow cards around. Pirlo's a bit pressed though. He's a bit pressed. If you think they almost lost the Turin derby, yeah, they're behind for quite a period in that and they got you know a late win which was a great win for them and this is obviously big they've been struggling in the league actually well I yeah. said struggling by Juventus standards they've been struggling they've I mean, just been not, drawing way yeah, too they're, many yeah they're not that far off the top but considering the resources of Juventus that squad even though it's not the most balanced squad should still be top of the league and yeah there, I think there were some questions over Pirlo so these you know these two wins a win in the derby and a win over Barca I mean these are not this is not the Barca of old. Having said that... Yeah, they're hurdles to get over. They, yeah, they're on top yeah. of the group. They, they needed yeah. to go to Camp Nou and they needed to, yeah. to win by more than two goals. Yeah, they did it. Big results for them, yeah. So the, the two sides of Weston McKenney, I think, in this game. As well. <laughs> start with the best side, shall we? A lovely little kind of start in the move. A nice extended one-two with Cuadrado and a lovely finish. Although it would have helped if just anyone had marked him. Yeah. Although having said that, because no one was marking him, the, the poster that will come out of that actually looks even I know, better. Yeah. yeah, it looks spectacular, sort of mid-air scissor kick. Uh, I hope someone caught it with Aaron Ramsey behind him with his the typical trademark Aaron Ramsey, I want the ball, both hands in the air, flapping. <laughs> uh, the other side of that was his him just looking at Lionel Messi, admiring <laughs> him instead of closing him down and Buffon just giving him an absolute earful. <laughs> Like you want to you play, play for Juventus, man. You can't just stop and stare. It's Messi, it's Messi. Right, right. But yeah, I think he did all right. It's a, I think it's so wild if you thought a year ago that Weston McKennie would be playing for Juventus centre midfield in the Champions League against Barcelona and scoring. Given, obviously, where he was, especially yeah. where he was and in that team. Yeah, you're right. It's such a Juve signing, isn't it? We've seen this a number of times, how Juve just like pick up a number of players that you just wouldn't think would work anywhere. Right. And even if they don't set the world alight, they kind of, they work. It's so, the scouts are so not funny. working, yeah. but I don't yeah. think he's absolutely killing it at Juve at the moment, but it's definitely functioning. They're very good at identifying 
the pieces they need, aren't they? That's yeah. the thing. They're so funny what they scout for. It's so interesting. To be honest, Bayern are like that. Bayern and Letty. Bayern yeah, will pick I mean, up players who'll be like, what, why have Bayern gone for? Well, I mean, Chupa oh, Moteng's yeah, a prime it. example. A lot yeah. of people were like, mm, Chupa Moteng, really? Even after his couple of really important goals that he scored for PSG, stood in for Lewandowski, scored in the Champions League. So, do you know what I bet Bayern do? Do you know what I bet they do in particular? I bet Bayern and Juve, they're like, they get all the stats from all over Europe. They test them. They don't put the names attached. It's like, okay, well, look, look at all these numbers. Get a player that fits that profile. And these are the names that come up. Like Minority Report. These are the names that just pop up. Yeah. And they're like, oh my God, that Weston McKinney, really? Billy Bean shit. Yeah. Just like, forget the name and just look at the numbers. And they've been on that. They've been on that for time. They've been on that yeah, for time. About, clubs, I'm all yeah. about Moneyball, man. Love it. Super Moteng scored in the 2-0 win over Lokomotiv. Atleti beat Rebel Salzburg 2-0 to qualify second behind Bayern. Kind of as you'd expect, right? Yeah. Solid from Atleti. Um, great to see Hermosa getting on the score sheet. And Carrasco too, obviously, later oh, on. Carrasco's goal was... Lovely finish. That actually reminded me a lot of the so way smooth. that Atleti used the counter against... Well, I always refer to the Chelsea game, Arda Turan coming and just wrecking things at Stamford Bridge. Mm. But Atleti breaking like that. And Carrasco is a player who I've always wanted a bit more from. I've always felt yeah. like he's someone who can really... He's got the technique and he's got the speed to kind of allow Atleti to sit deep but creating the final third. And I always feel like he's due a bit more of a, not a breakthrough because he's played in the biggest games, but I always feel that he's due a leap to the next stage in terms of his attacking output. So I'm glad to see him emboldened in that way. Yeah, Aleti just handled business, frankly. Yeah, did what they needed to do. I think they kind of rode a little bit of a Red Bull Salzburg storm briefly. Yeah, there was a bit of surge. Just kind of saw it out. Bayern finished top. Aleti go through second in Group A. Uh, we'll get into some more football in a sec. Yep, yep. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbour, State Farm is there. Oh man, I'm adding a new one to the glossary. Do it. Manchester United's existential defeat. Or actually, do you know what I should call this? An existential exit. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> oh dear. This is the, the great equation. What do you get when you play two left backs? An existential exit. Oh my goodness. I'm putting that in a Christmas cracker. I'm going to do some Stadio Christmas crackers. And they're not going to be jokes. They're just going to be really like trolling. Empty fortune cookies. Yeah. Oh my goodness. What's the only worst thing than a Stadio podcast? Bonus podcast. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Bonus podcast. Injected. Injected. Can you imagine like most podcasts where people see bonus pop up, they're like, yay. I imagine like people say, oh God, man. There they are again. I only listened to them yesterday. What, what, what could this be about? <laughs> Shout out to my cousin, actually. Shout out to my cousin who was like, I heard your podcast in the car and I had to turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> Energy. Energy. Energy, wow, wow. But yeah, anyway, back to the football. Um, so United's defeat to Leipzig. Now, a lot of people were like, stop Leipzig, Angelino, stop him down the left, stop him. But it's easy to say that. But to Leipzig's credit, they stretch you so far across the pitch that the left side where Angelino is so dangerous is where it all ends up happening. So it's almost like the problem with playing against Leipzig is 
you have to solve every problem in the right order. So you, you can't just go and mark Angelina because they'll kill you through the middle because they're, they're overloading the middle, right? And they're good enough mm-hmm. to kill you through the middle. Like people like Sabbats are coming through. So almost you pick your poison with them. You're like, okay, we'll go toe-to-toe in the middle of the pitch and we'll risk Angelino coming down the left and being dangerous because he's been their primary scorer this year. Now, the only way, ironically, to beat a press as extreme as the Leipzig one is to run right through the guts of it. And very few players in world football are good enough to do that. Luckily for Bayern, they had one of them in Jamal Musiala. And luckily for Manchester United, they do have one of them in Donny van der Beek, who is an outstanding footballer and is currently having slightly more fun than Frankie de Jong is having, which unfortunately is not saying much. If you'd said unfortunately, this is the sad thing about football. Is he? Yeah, yeah, he is. Even though he's on the bench more, his performance is, because he's still, he's still seen, here's the thing about Donny van der Beek, like even though he's been on the bench a bit more than Frankie de Jong, he has seen much more as the kind of wronged party and his interventions, his interventions have all been extremely good extremely good. It's just really, really sad to look back to Ajax beating Real and Van der Beek and De Jong outstanding. And if you fast forward now to where they are and how they're being treated by respective clubs and the kind of the prominence they're getting or whatever, it's a shame. But, but, but back to the game, United basically were getting absolutely blown away by Leipzig in the first half. Pull it back to 3-2 with a, you know, with a late camera from Pogba. Oh, I mean, can we just talk about this though? Yeah, let's talk about it. I think the penalty was super soft. I think there was as much of a foul on Canate before as there was on Greenwood in the box. I didn't have strong feelings about this being a penalty. It didn't, I didn't look at it and go, I mean, it just, that's uh, in, yeah. Yeah, in first thing, it was just like, oh, it's not a penalty. It's just, it's just a goal kick or whatever. But then the fact that the Canate own goal went to VAR and clearly came off Maguire's hand as well. It was just like, why is this? Yeah, why is this being allowed? Him? Yeah, very strange. Yeah, I think so. No, 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 it's not. No, then they weren't. I mean, they were United were better in the second half, certainly. They made good changes as well. I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer made good changes. Yeah, really, really good. But fundamentally, Leipzig were just that much better when it mattered. And you are going to kind of take, you're going to ease off a bit when you're 3-0 up, frankly. And Leipzig play at a high intensity, so it's difficult to maintain that all game. Plus, they just come off the back of that thrilling draw against Bayern, which they should have won. So that takes a lot out of you mentally and physically. Um, Leipzig now... I think Nagelsmann, you know, the, the 5-0, I think, because it was so high profile, because it was against United and it was humiliating, I think it allowed Leipzig, weirdly enough, to go under the radar a bit mm-hmm. and it allowed Nagelsmann to quietly get on with it. Cathartic defeat? Cathartic defeat, yes. And what? <laughs> yeah, great point. Exactly, a cathartic defeat. Or and, strategic defeat. Or you could say that United's victory over Leipzig was a catfish. Yeah. I think, I think, I think, I think, so I think catfish results this season. It's there just, are, there are, there are. Um, I look at this and think, with United, we've said this, we've, this is what they are. This is what United are. They're going to do this. They're going to yo-yo because they have too much talent not to pull off excellent results. They have a good enough coach who will make good adjustments in the flow of a game, but he's not an elite coach. And so you're going to keep getting caught out by by teams that are better coached, better organised. It's going to happen. Like, it's, mm. this is just what's going to happen to United for as long as Solskjaer is in charge of Manchester United. It's just going to be what happens. Just, I can't deal with the Man United mood swings. I'm just very good about it. it. I, I'm relaxed about it. I'm, I'm utterly relaxed about it. <laughs> I actually thought Manchester United looked so much better when Paul Pogba came on. Well, so the way, the way that Pogba is in that role, Mourinho tried to turn him into Fabregas. 
the Fabregas that he won the league with alongside Matic, you can see the thinking. The problem being that that Matic was no longer the Matic that had won the league. There was a mobility issue. Also, people worked out what that axis was doing. They worked out what the Fabregas-Matic axis was doing and they broke it. So people knew how to break it. Um, Pogba Kante would have worked maybe a bit better at uh, United. It's still not the best use of Pogba, in my opinion. And I've still said, I've said this a thousand times. If you put Pogba in the peak Man City side as one of the eights, in front of a peak fitness Fernandinho, you see an entirely different footballer. But that's mm. academic now. And it's weird because I've been considering writing something about Pogba, but I'm almost wary of doing it. Yeah. What do you add to that? What do you add to that avalanche of tweets and comments and memes and all the rest of it? What do you add to all of it? It's just really sad that a club that acquired Pogba, Mkhitaryan, Zlatan and Bailly never did more with, those, with that quartet. Yeah. That's a brilliant quartet for fitness. Because they kind of went back to the diamond, didn't they, in the second half? Yeah. United. yeah, And yeah. it kind of, it's weird how that sometimes has worked for them, but then in other games it's just not worked at all. Fluidity of formations gives, well, a fluidity of tactical changes gives a manager something else to think about. Like if, for example, if Bayern had started the game against Leipzig with the 4-3-3 they kind of evolved into, a very different proposition. Leipzig would have done different things. But because Leipzig had their, they've been drilling all week to play a certain way, because they saw the axis as it was, the 4 2 3 one from Bayern, they naturally, it take, even as an elite player, it takes time to adjust mentally to a new formation, to a formation change. The thing about the diamond is, it's just the right amount of ordering chaos, isn't it? Mm. It's just the right amount to allow Bruno Fernandes to run riot. Bruno Fernandes is like that guitarist at the local jam session, and he plays for like 30 minutes, and you're like, uh, yes, yes, that bit. Well, yeah, and that, and that, yeah, oh, no, no. yes, and he that. He basically saying Bruno Fernandes is fusion. Yeah, absolutely. In a, in a music genre. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, he's ex- exactly what he is. Yeah. You know, when you listen back to the tapes after the jam session, you're like, and you take out that loop and that loop and that loop and that loop. You're like, yeah. And that was basically what fusion was. Like two yeah. bars of the entire four and a half minutes were absolutely unbelievable. And the rest of it was just like, mm. oh, of course. But there's a, a lot of those old funk outfits are like that. When you go back over those old tapes, like mm. even, even the meters, shout out to the meters, you know, the meters and a lot of the funk was kind of like, not always, but then there were three or four things you just plucked out and thought that's gold. That's gold. Mm. Yeah. Um, so Man United going in the Europa League. From that group, actually, should we talk about the PSG bus action thing? Yeah, let's talk about it. When they replayed the game on uh, Wednesday night, PSG comfortably going through thanks to Neymar hat trick. Um, but yeah, obviously the game was abandoned on when on Tuesday because of the fourth official referring to Pierre Weibo, the Basak Shahir assistant, as the black one in Romanian. All of this could have been completely avoided just by him saying Weibo. They know who it is. They know their names. They do the research beforehand. Just say his name. Can I say this as well? For all the people listening going, oh, but maybe in Romanian, different context. The actual Romanian anti-discrimination council said that is racist that is racism well that's that's a that they said it they literally said it themselves that is from the their own footballing authorities so we're seeing lots of punditry about maybe this maybe that maybe this they themselves said it they came out and made a statement very quickly shout out to them actually for stepping up on that yeah um shout out to them yeah exactly because 
also like don't patronize people. Oh, they're different cultures. They might be, oh, maybe. No, yeah, don't. I think yeah, the, yeah. The, the weird thing is that when things like this, it's all of a sudden you get a load of experts in a culture that they literally have no idea about 24 yeah. hours before, an yeah. hour before. The lengths that you will go to to try and kind of justify that kind of culture. People think that if it's kind of like lynchings or nah with racism. Yeah. I genuinely think people think that. Yeah, they do. They do. They do. They do. And it's not. It's like, is this fourth official racist? Probably not. Does that mean that he said something that could be considered racist or that had a racist element to it? Absolutely. I said a little bit about it on Twitter and I'm really disappointed. Um, I heard from someone, I wrote to you about this. I heard from someone and was like, oh, I'm a massive fan of the podcast. And the first time I heard from this guy, who's a massive fan of my work apparently, was to defend people booing players taking the knee. And then another time, and I'm not, you know, I'm going to sound really harsh to say this, but I, I saw conversations about this and I was really disappointed in the tone of some of these conversations, Ryan, actually. Like, I'm not going to name names, but what really disappointed me, Ryan, I'll say this now, is Denver Bar has played all over. And this is a class thing within football, okay? I want to talk about this very quickly. The one conversation missing about racism in football at the moment is class. Denver Bar and Pierre Weibo, the two people at the center of this, are black African footballers, right? Now, a black African playing in Europe, throughout Europe and throughout the world is in a very particular position. They're basically the working class of black people. Tell the ways you get treated. As, a, as the, the hierarchy, the way you get treated, wherever you go in the world, if you're an African-American mm-hmm. in different parts of the world, not within America because there's racism there, but African-American in Europe, you're treated a different way because your accent, there's a, American culture is a cool thing. There's a cultural cachet behind it. As a black British person, I enjoy a certain amount of good treatment privilege. You know, I, I do get racism in certain situations, but in certain social settings, but I'm regarded as sophisticated because I'm black and, and British. The Britishness gives me sophistication, gives me a certain cultural cash in different situations. And that's why I attract less racism than certain people. The black person who receives the most racism in mainland Europe is without question a black person born in Africa. They receive with exponentially more racism. And it was, it, it was infuriating to me. It angered me greatly to see people immediately going, oh, maybe they exaggerated, not quite. These people, the amount of racism that Denver Bar would have encountered in his career throughout mainland Europe, the amount that Pierre Weber would have experienced. And for them to take a step like this, imagine what it would take for working class African in terms of the way they're treated and perceived. Imagine what it would take for them to step off a pitch. Imagine how serious that interaction must have been. And this is what gets me about it. We were immediately into, oh, maybe this. There was no consideration of these issues. And maybe some people were like, oh, I wasn't aware of that dynamic. Well, now you know, right? And here's the thing as well. The fact these people were not even entitled to the basic respect. The fact I saw so many people pushing back already. And I'm going to be really cynical here, right? I'm going to be really, really cynical. A lot of the behavior that I saw around this incident I remember thinking, are you so defensive because that's how you might identify somebody? And I'm not going to name names or name experiences, but I had some very degrading experiences just this week in relation to racism, exceptionally degrading experiences in an intimate setting where I was stereotyped three times in half an hour by somebody I really, really liked. Three times in half an hour in incredibly degrading fashion to the point where I'm like, this person is a good human being, is a nice human being but what they're doing is exceptionally degrading. And I won't mention the interaction, but it it happened. And it was so funny that that was happening in my personal life to see people 
immediately going to the defense of the person who had caused the offense. You know what it's like watching? It's like watching a traffic accident and someone's been hit, someone's been cut up, um, a cyclist has been cut up and Evan runs the driver going, oh my God, but he didn't mean to do that. He's not a bad driver. Yeah. He's cut up the cyclist. I think it's like what you said. I think that the pushback a number of times is because it, it means then that people have, people may have analyzed, had to analyze their own behavior in a certain way. It's what, you get this all the time with racism, homophobia, sex, any kind of form of, of discrimination. Yeah. You get it a lot because people have flagged something in their brain where they've done something similar, like you mentioned, and therefore they don't want to confront that themselves. Yeah. But the thing is, we've all been part of the problem. Exactly. Exactly. I don't want to stand here and preach, but it's just like, there's no way that I haven't done something at some point, which is just like, fuck, that was a bit shitty actually, but I didn't know any better. Right. Likewise. Actually, yeah. I'm a 36 year old man now. And I can be like, that was shitty and I'm not yeah. going to do that again. And I'm going to learn from it. People see that it triggers something that they may have done and therefore they don't want to confront that themselves. And therefore actually let's get into the, the real specifics of Romanian dialect. Yeah. Because anything, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's a lot I haven't said actually. It's funny because, you know, I don't always, you know, what I love about having this podcast, what I love about Stadio, one thing um, I, I would like people to understand and I said this to you many times, is how much I hate writing and talking about race. Yeah. You've seen what, you've seen the effect it has on me. You've seen what it does. Like you've seen the requests I get to talk about race that I basically turn down. You've seen what it does to me on a personal level, right? We had a number of emails to the Stadio account this week that I didn't even pass on. I just flat out rejected because I know how much that, yeah. I'm not even and, your manager. Actually, yeah. give me a 20%. Hey, white guy making money off racism. Fuck so, yeah. it. I get my 20%. My turn. Exactly. <laughs> you know what? I'm just doing the, the Leonardo DiCaprio meme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but else is doing it. Yeah. Hey, fuck it. Actually, what am I doing? <laughs> get, your, get your 20%. <laughs> Pretend to me, do you? Do the type you know what? I nearly put this in the Writer's House WhatsApp group, right? <laughs> where I was saying, like, because obviously Ian uh, would have got a number of approaches as well. And I imagine Carl, Jeanette and yourself. And I said, you know what you should all do? You should just agree to doing it, to do it and just send me out there. Yeah, exactly. The only white guy involved in that thing, send me out there. And it would be like, do you remember when the, ta the poor taxi driver ended up on BBC News? Yeah, exactly. It would yeah. It'll be like the other way around. It'd be like, and here to talk about racism is uh, a straight white guy. From Roger's house. And I'll just, and I'll just actually m completely play the role being like, oh, no, no, no. No, no, I'm not supposed to be here. Black no, it, no, no, black no. it. Yeah, <laughs> I, just, I just do, I just produce a podcast. I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> you know, actually what I'll say, um, on this segment, I will just say about the whole experience, I just wish, because Denver Barra is someone who has actually always, always made strong stands on things. He was very strong on um, racism during COVID, um, ex you know, uh, suggestions by French doctors that COVID should be, you know, they should experiment on, on African patients with, with the vaccine. Um, he's always stood tall. He stood tall for the Uyghur Muslims on China. I just wish that a player like that got more benefit of the doubt. And also, and I'll say this again, a Denver Bar podcast with all the things he experienced in his career. Stop giving ideas away. Sorry, sorry. There we go. So PSG went through top. Yep, yep. 
And there will be, I think, long-lasting repercussions from that match. Actually, what's interesting here is that Mbappe gets a couple of goals and you can see how keen they are to make him score. Mm. Just in terms of the game. So Neymar got a beautiful hat-trick. Um, and he's been on good form recently, Neymar. He's been looking good in the Champions yeah. League. So that, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. PSG, let's actually look out for them in the Champions League because they've got the taste mm, again. Mm, yeah, I just, I just... Right, right, right. But in, in shootouts... Yeah, maybe in shootouts, yeah. The firepower is back to a level. They could do something interesting. But you can see how desperate they are to get Mbappe on the score sheet mm. because they know that he struggled in that tournament. I think it's been weighing on him maybe more than obviously he would admit publicly. Mm. Also to me, it's one other thing as well, one thing to say on this podcast before we go on the PSG's um, Basakshir game, apart from the brilliant goal scoring from Kvetchi, shout out to him, Kvetchi yeah. with another goal. The fact that both teams walked off yeah. is huge. You look at like the solidarity between black players, non-black players. That's what we've been looking for for so long, right? Yeah. That incredible solidarity, the fact that these players are obviously beloved and respected so much in the team. And the fact that actually within this whole context, the PSG um, players are speaking out on, on police brutality at the same time. Yeah. So yeah. they're doing a lot of legwork. These well, those are busy people as it is. And yeah, yeah. they still take on these. Work they shouldn't have to. Yep. Dude. <laughs> that word. What have I done? You haven't done anything. <laughs> Gladbach have qualified for the modern Champions League knockout stages for the first time. Do you know what's so amazing about this? Watching their performance against Real Madrid, I remember thinking when, when, when Real scored their first goal, Benzema scored glorious head at the far post. The one really or two glorious headers. Mm. Benzema scored. And then when you see the names on the search jogging over to him, when you see Kroos and Modric jogging over, you're like, Ramos. and Ramos, then you're like, people need to understand how intimidating that is. You look at McKenney looking at Messi going, wow, Messi. Gladbach players will have come of age watching that team, those players win three state Champions Leagues. And it's easy for us to like look at Gladbach and be critical. And I was on social media and I was, I wrote one tweet kind of going, you're being too inviting to Benzema in the penalty area. And I was, you know, that was as far as I went my criticism. I didn't say anything else because I actually sat back and was like, this is really hard for Gladbach in the way it'd be hard for anybody. No one in that dressing room has won on that scale that consistently. They have a right back in Lucas Vasquez who's won three straight Champions Leagues. A right back. And he's not even he's converted from a winger. He's converted. <laughs> it's a 28 year old who's won three Champions Leagues. The depth of experience in that team it's so intimidating. And to have that as your final game before doing something you have not done before in the modern era is unbelievable. And here's the thing, even with all of that, even being overawed as they were, Gladbach, they were overawed. I don't think they were lazy. I don't think they were like not chasing it because they've worked really hard this year. I think they were intimidated. They still, with all of that, nearly got a beautiful goal through Alessand player. They should have been, they should have been level. Yeah. Should have been say. level. Should have been level. And I really enjoyed the game. I've got to say, um, I did have a slight energy, I have to say, of like Real Madrid were kind of like the Imperial Walker and yeah, Gladbach yeah, were yeah. kind of like the, Ewok, the Ewoks. Um, but that being said, that being said, I think that both teams learned something about themselves in this game. I think that Gladbach were like, you know what? We're not going to be this afraid again. We've taken the worst of it. We came through, you know what? Everyone gets the bloody nose in this group. Shakhtar beat Real twice didn't go through the next stage, which is pretty incredible if you think about it. Mm. Gladbach came through Inter, which is a massive step. That's a huge step. Um, 
I just think there's unbelievable amounts of credit to Marco Rosa. I, this is one of the, I think this is in context, considering how Gladbach started this season, this is an outstanding managerial achievement. Yeah. And it I mean, needs it's, its own little moment that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. I think this season was always going to be a struggle for Gladbach because yeah. the intensity of the Champions League and the size that they would play. I mean, the fact that they've got through that group. Oh, my really, goodness. You know, Shakhtar are no, no mugs either. And None at all. Yeah. They, they, they went through in a group that consisted of Real Madrid, Shakhtar, and Inter. And Inter finished bottom of the group. And they've, they deserve to be there. They deserve to go through. And I said a couple of times on this podcast that they really need to fit, they really need to realize that they belong. Yes. Because they need to be fearless going through this stage now. Because if they, if they do, if they tap into that kind of energy and that mindset that actually anything can happen this year, you know, Gladbach could upset some people. I'm most intrigued by which agents get in touch with Gladbach this week. Mm. Because this does change a lot. You've now got a team that's beautifully managed. They give young players a chance and they go far. And we know there's going to be a fire sale the next cup, within the next couple of years. A lot of these Gladbach players are moving on. I'm intrigued by who's being offered to them. At either stage, either the young players and the older players, if you are an older player with a bit of experience, a couple of trophies, look at Gladbach now going, I think I could offer that squad something. Mm. An agent getting in touch and going, I've got someone that could give you half an hour a game at an elite level, or maybe be a starter for 30 games a season. What do you think? I just think Gladbach, it's so funny. They, they're such an appealing option now. Who wouldn't want to join a club like that? Yeah. Who wouldn't want to, you know, you look at it, and look, the way they celebrated the getting to the group stages, they're all watching the kind of computer, watching them. Um, Watching the the knockout, sorry. Yeah, they were watching the Shakhtar intergame to see the results. See if they went to the knockout stages on a watching massive them. delay. Yeah, what? <laughs> I wonder, what stream? What stream was that? Yeah, I know. Now that, now that. Can you imagine Gladbach confirmed their passage through to the knockout stages of the Champions League via like I don't know some. We're not, we can't name it yet. Illegal stream. Do you know what's so funny as well? The fact that like because Germany are really tough as a country, they're tough on that stuff on streaming. So I love the idea of like the German authorities turning up to Gladbach's game going, excuse me, sir, who is the owner of this laptop? Marco Rose is going to turn up at his desk tomorrow morning and there's just going to be his post and on top of it, it's going to be a two and a half grand fine. <laughs> but yeah, Gladbach through, as are Liverpool, obviously, one all draw. Um, just a quick one on this. I have a genuine question. Hmm. Was Leighton Clarkson in the Beatles? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my goodness. How does your mind work? How does your mind work? How have you got to that? How have you got to that? Go and look at the With the Beatles cover, and I swear Leighton Clarkson's on it. <laughs> you say he's a time traveller. Yeah. If you were a time... Yeah, if yeah, you were he is. Time- yeah, he is. Ryan... Hey, listen, were, it's going to be a meme like when you're away at Midgeland on Wednesday and you've got a set at the cavern on Thursday. <laughs> it's just so wholesome. A wholesome haircut, wholesome face. Klopp's doing work, isn't he? He's bringing Klopp's through that. He's bringing on all the kids. I'm really happy for them. And shouts to Trent Alexander-Arnold as well, captain for the first time. And oh, Trent, that boy. We love Trent. We do indeed. What a player. So Liverpool through, as we knew. Yep, yep. I mean, we already knew Sevilla, Chelsea. Krasnodar, Ren. I mean, that group was kind of settled anyway. Um, yeah, Atalanta through. Hey, yeah, that was a nice little, well, nice little uh, late goal from Luke, for Luis Muriel. 
not the most exciting game, but Atalanta show maybe a different side um, to themselves playing a game of containment because from a certain point, it was like all they had to do was keep it steady to go mm. through. Um, and they did that really, really well and they broke well. And they, like, they showed a discipline I haven't seen from them. They haven't been the most free-flowing this year, mm. mainly because people have worked out how to get at them, which is fair. That's tactical cycles. Everyone works out how to get at you eventually. But shout out to them for hanging in there. Um, at least they didn't concede. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. That's the thing. I'm, I'm really impressed by that. It's always a shame to see Ajax, not in the final stages, because yeah. you know, we, love, we love some Ajax, don't we? Yeah, that group was always going to be tough, huh? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Sevilla beat Ren 3-1. Um, and elsewhere in that group, Chelsea already finished top, drew one all with Krasnodar. Yep, yep. Borussia, we haven't even talked about Dortmund, ended up finished top of that group. Yeah. After beating Zenit away, Lazio drew two all with Brugge. And Brugge could have, right, I'm, apparently it's Brugge. I keep saying Bruges. Mm, my apologies. It, no, I, but I, think, I thought it was Bruges. Well, it's Bruges is the name of the city, but Brugge is the pronunciation of the... All right, yeah. okay. So Brugge is... Yeah. They hit the bar in the last minute and could have gone through. Which is unbelievable, considering how easily Lazio handled Dortmund. What yeah. a turnaround this group has had. Because Dortmund looked completely assured, went off to Zenit, went a goal down, no biggie. They won with a late winner from Witzel, who was actually at Zenit for like a few years. Mm. Had a great time there as didn't well. Didn't celebrate. No, no, he didn't. I mean, he, that, I think that was in many ways the kind of, not the making of him, but it was, yeah, it was where, no, to be honest, it's where he really like found his stride as a professional. It really, an interesting sort of turnaround in this group and Lazio looked rattled by the end. Really, mm. really rattled. Brugge have got some decent pieces and with a bit less internal discord in that squad, would and should have gone through. Yeah. Man City finished top of Group C. Light work for them. But yeah, so Champions League's done for, for now. The group stages are done. Uh, Women's Champions League returned this week as well. Probably the tie of the round so far was, is, well, is Juve Lyon. Juve actually took the lead with Lena Hurtig early on, about a quarter of an hour, and then Wendy Renard. Wendy Renard's on penalties, scored a penalty. And then there was an own goal that put Juve 2-1 up again. And then um, Malvina Malad equalised just, just over 20 minutes to go. And then Saki Kumagai with the winner just before the end. Yeah, but how much longer are Leon going to cling on? Are they going to just do this for the next like three seasons? Just keep coming back and who knows? No idea. Yeah. No idea. And uh, there was another pretty good game. I mean, City scraping a 2-1 win against Copperberg or Gothenburg. Wolfsburg cruising. Yeah. What, what, five nil. Racked up five, yeah. Chelsea beat Benfica 5-0. Atleti Savetta 4-2, Juve. Uh, to Atleti, sorry. Uh, Barca beat PSV 4-1. We're recording this ahead of Ajax Bayern. And then the second legs are next week. So I think BT Sport are showing them in the UK. I might be wrong. So Women's Champions League is back just as the men's group stages wraps. Yep, yep. Any other business? I think we're good, actually. Uh, all right, man. Should we get out of here? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, we hope everyone's staying safe and well. Hanging in there. Getting really cold here, huh? Oh my goodness. This flat. So cold. Warming this flat up is like an absolute trip. Like you have to do it like an hour in advance of getting out of bed. I just turn the heating on. Otherwise I'm like, it's like getting out to a crypt. <laughs> oh. Like Nosferatu waking up in the morning. I say like your DMs. Oh no. Oh my God. Oh, that's painful. That's painful. Wow. Actually, I will say to one person, one person in particular who does listen to Stadio, um, I'm going to get back to you this week because 
someone, uh, I won't mention a name, but they were going through a really tough time with their, yeah, with their flatmates at uni about racism. So I'm going to reply to you. Um, don't worry. I've seen your email. I will get back to you. And also like, you're listening to this, I know. So you're a legend. Keep up the great work. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the, is that the criteria now for being a legend? (laughs) <laughs> well, no, this, you're, all like bloody, really, you're all bloody legends. All yeah, all, le- all legends. You're all of you. Really, really lovely person who just like, you know, is always so positive whenever you check oh, out the like, account. Yeah, and just having a tough time. So I just thought I'd say, yeah, I'll get back oh, to you. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, yeah. Don't forget, ringer.com forward slash soccer. Check right his house. We're on all platforms. Rate and review all that nonsense. Please. Yep, yep, That'd yep. be lovely. Uh, we're playing out this episode with Doug Cream Blunt. Track or Trek. It's out on the amazing Luaka. came out a few years ago on the amazing Luaka Bop label. So that's the Luaka Bop. I think that's everything. Yeah, I think we're good. All right. Take care, everyone. Have a great weekend. We'll be back on Monday. See you then. Stir it.